I think that most people lose out on what they do because they're not following up with sellers or following up with brokers. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, for all my fix and flippers out there, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, you know Patch of Land, they've been on the show, representatives of their company have been on the show many times, they've been a sponsor of this show many, many times, they're back for more because they love you and they love working with the best ever listeners and they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates and that is that it's... The interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best a lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and they've got a white paper for you and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan so that you truly are getting the best interest rate because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate, quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects. Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Adam Adams. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great as well. And nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Adam. He is a multifamily investor. They've bought a fiveplex, a fourplex, a threeplex, and they've got almost a dozen homes. His company, Blue Spruce Holdings, is based in Denver, Colorado. In 2008, they bought the first multifamily building and they own a portfolio of owner finance and private lender rentals. He and his business partner, DJ, are the host of the podcast called Creative Real Estate Podcast. So with that being said, Adam, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, definitely. I come from Utah and I focused most of my efforts in the beginning because my dad made me do real estate against my will (laughs) in college. And when I didn't save money, like he was trying to make me do. So I had to get into creative real estate. So that's why so much of what we do is owner finance things, some lease options and subject twos is mostly out of necessity. But I found that even when we've had money in the bank, it just seems easier to think a little bit outside the box. You can create a win-win pretty well. So I'm well-versed in creative real estate. And that's why we have the creative real estate podcast by realbluespruce.com that DJ Manny and I run. Outstanding. Let's talk about some creative real estate deals. Can you tell us about one deal that's top of mind, what the challenge was, and then how you ended up structuring it so it was a win-win? 
definitely. The first one that comes to my mind, the challenge was that I didn't have two years tax history. I was making good monthly income, but I was not able to qualify for a traditional bank loan. The way that I structured it to make it kind of work is I offered a friend of mine to buy out the whole triplex with cash and to partner with me and to loan me the rest of the money, put a mortgage note against the property that I would pay regularly every month. And it did work. So it was a no money out of pocket deal. I was able to close on a multifamily property in a time that it was difficult to, regardless of my credit standing. I had a good credit score at the time. You just need that two years. So the seller sold it for the price they wanted to sell it. A friend was able to make some money as we go. I was able to be a multifamily owner years and years ago. So it really helped. So you found the deal and you liked it. You weren't able to get a loan. So you went to a friend. The friend purchased it all cash. And then they acted as the bank where you are paying them a monthly, essentially, mortgage payment. And you are the owner of that property, but they're the bank? Or how does the ownership actually work? It was a joint venture agreement. They were 70% owner and I was a 30% owner. My portion of the property was done by an owner financed banknote. So they put a mortgage against the property or a deed of trust. And then we filled out a promissory note that I'd pay a certain amount for a certain amount of time. And we were partners. Okay. So they still will retain ownership after you pay off what you borrowed to get the 30%, correct? Exactly. For that one property. For that one property. At the end of, if I would have paid off, because I've already sold that a long time ago, but if I would have just stayed in it and stayed in it and not given him his portion back when I moved to Florida, then in that case, I would have owned 30% with no note and he would have owned 70% with no note. Got it. Cool. All right. Very clear. And how about another deal? A large portion of all the times that I'm talking to sellers that are in a foreclosure situation and offering them a lot of different strategies, most of the times it always ends up that I'm really, really good at selling them on a way for me to contact their bank for them and to help to structure a loan modification. So most of my transactions that don't count toward my portfolio, but they count toward creative real estate, happen to be because I was able to talk their bank into restructuring their loan for them so they could stay in the house. So unfortunately, on a lot of those, I didn't make money, but I was able to help the homeowner with a creative strategy with loan modifications. Huh. And you actually call the bank on their behalf and negotiate those modifications for them? Yeah. And every bank's slightly different. And actually, every person at the bank is slightly different. But yes, I call. Sometimes we get power of attorney. Sometimes the owner is just with me and they just have to say to the bank, Adam can talk and I'm right here. Just let Adam figure this out. And then we'll just kind of talk to them for a while and ask if a lease option would work, if a subject to would work, try to make solutions with the bank. And a lot of times the bank just says, you know what, let me drop the loan or let me forget 20 or 30 grand that's owed. And if you start making your payments again, you don't have to pay the arrears. So there's been about a dozen of those where they're all a little bit different, 
but the loan company will modify it enough to keep the homeowner in the property and the property owner can still pay. And with that said, what I like about that is should there ever be another problem where they fall behind again, I think they'll trust me. I think they'll call me and see if I could help out. And in that case, maybe we'll take a property over subject to or do a lease option because they understand that I started out with their best interest. Yeah, it's phenomenal to approach it that way. Now I'm I'm putting on my business hat and I'm wondering, to put it point blank, what are you getting out of it other than warm fuzzies from a business standpoint? Is that it? Just the warm fuzzies? Mostly the warm fuzzies because I like to actually just help. But I know that if they tell their friends and their friends tell their friends, eventually we'll do enough subject to rentals. Or maybe we have the story to go on your podcast and, you know, (laughs) more than just a warm fuzzy, maybe somebody who's going through foreclosure right now will say, I never even heard of a loan mod. Let me call my bank. Uh Right. Well, Well, we'll take it. Just staying with that business angle, though, have you seen business results as a result of you doing these modifications and going with someone at to the bank and reworking. Have you seen something come out of it from a monetary standpoint? There have been two times that because we worked with somebody, somebody else heard about it or they told their friend and we got a call, said, I heard that you're the one who can solve this. And one of the times we did a lease option, I offered a subject to, but it ended up being a lease option structure where we did a fix and flip We just paid the guy's mortgage while we were doing it. We put in $50,000 while we were doing it. We sold the property, gave him his price that he wanted in the beginning that we couldn't do ahead of time because there was $20,000 that we would have had to give to a hard money lender. And then when we sold it, he got his price and we were able to make a decent amount of money, about $30,000 on that one. So to answer your question shortly, yes, I do believe that because we do it, we do and will continue to make a little bit of money here and there. How many modifications would you say you've done or attempted to do? Attempted between 10 and 12, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't have a, a number, but about a dozen. Okay. That's pretty good. And again, warm fuzzies aside, I get that part of it. And believe me, I'm with you. But just also looking at it from an analytical standpoint, from business standpoint, if you've helped out or attempted to help out about a dozen, and that has resulted in good stuff for most of those people, but then also a couple deals that have come your way where you've made on average how much on those couple deals that you mentioned? Maybe like 15 on one of them and then about 30 on another. There you go, $45,000. So basically, if we look at it, and again, you're probably thinking, why are you talking about it from business? I don't do it from business, but I'm just looking at it from a purely analytical standpoint. So basically, every time you go with pure intentions, and hopefully I'm not tainting your pure intentions by doing this analysis, but every time you go with pure intentions to go help rework a loan for someone, it's netting you $3,750 because so far it's resulted in $45,000 profit as a result of your pure intentions. So basically you could make a case that you're getting paid $3,750 to go help these people for free. Makes sense. I like the way you look at it. Yeah. And, and, and I know you don't look at it that way, but I was, just, I was just wondering how that works from a business standpoint. Okay, cool. What's the last deal that you purchased? Ooh, 
The last deal that I closed on was a fourplex in St. Louis. I didn't have quite enough money in the bank to close it, and I didn't realize on a Friday that we were supposed to close on Monday. So I had <laughs> to call up a couple private lenders and say, hey, I need you to do this, and I'll give you a good return. And both people said yes, and I went with the one that gave me the better terms. So it was a $50,000 note for 15%. They closed it in one day, so we're paying them $625 a month and cash flowing really, really, really well on that fourplex. Wow. How long do you plan on having that 15% interest rate on the 50K note? It's a three-year interest-only note, and I plan on refinancing it about a year early. Is there a prepayment but penalty? We're making a lot of cash flow. Like The property... Just how much is it insured for is 600 and something thousand. We bought it for 60,000. So I came out with just a few grand. We got a really, really, really good deal on it or else I wouldn't have been able to just call anybody up and say, I need 50 grand. I'll give you 15% interest and know ahead of time that I was going to be able to pay them back and still cash flow really, really well. Did you say it's insured for 600, but you bought it for 60? The purchase price was sixty thousand. Uh-huh. Uh, in the area right now, it costs more to build than you can buy. So, because we want to have a replacement cost insurance policy, it's insured for around six hundred and fifty thousand. But our purchase price was six zero. What would it appraise for? It's probably worth around a hundred, hundred and twenty right now. That's interesting. I'm glad you talked us through that. You're in Denver, right? Yes, sir. This is in St. Louis. How'd you find it? A long time ago, I was researching wholesalers. And because we have a couple of other houses there through a wholesaler, our property manager knew what our criteria was. And they came to the table and said, hey, here's a fourplex. It makes plenty of cash flow. And would you like to close on it? And I said, yes. And I forgot about it until the day before, the business day before. I was like, oh, crap. I still haven't financed my houses. So I have a couple of houses that we own cash and I was planning on getting a loan on those so I could close on the fourplex. And we've got so busy, I never did that. The part where you said you didn't realize you're supposed to close on Monday, can you elaborate on that part? The property manager gave me a call and he said, hey Adam, I just wanted to make sure that you were good to go to close on Monday. And I was like, we're closing this Monday? He goes, yeah. I go, give me 20 minutes. So I hung up the phone, went and called a private money lender, said, I've got 26 in the bank right now. This is like a 60,000. I'm going to need a little bit of liquid. So I said, if you can give me a $45,000 note, I'll give you 18% interest. And they said, yes. And I called the next one. I said, if, if you can give me a 50,000, I'll give you a 15% interest. They said, yeah. So that's, we just got our butts kicked really, really hard because we've been trying to buy larger apartment complexes with Blue Spruce Holdings. So, uh -huh. Wow. Great story. Thank you for sharing that. Based on your experience as a very resourceful real estate investor and team that you all have where you were putting together some deals in truly a creative way, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say follow-up. That would be the bigger one is that I think that most people lose out on what they do because they're not following up with sellers or following up with brokers. That'd be the biggest one. If you want to be successful, be relentless and go out and do it. Follow-up. The fortune is in the follow-up. 
tactically speaking, what do you have in place that helps you with the follow-up process? <laughs> a team, because I can't do it very well on myself. So we hire or bring in partners or, or employees that are really good at that kind of stuff. That They're good at systems like Podio and other online systems to kind of make sure that you're actually going through to the next step with people. But I can't do it on my own, so I have other people. Based on the follow-up process, what's one lesson that you've learned along the way that you've optimized your approach? Well, it's pretty simple. It's just the lesson that I've learned is that how important following up is just because sometimes somebody will think that you're done with a situation. Nobody's ever going to call back. And I'll tell that salesperson, the acquisition person, I say, nope, you got to keep calling until they either tell you no or you just keep calling. So I've had salespeople mad at me and upset. They're like, no, but this is really not going anywhere. I go, seriously, if it was me, I would just call, call, call. So they call again and Zold is a sale. So that's the lesson that I've learned with my team is even if you don't really have full faith in the scenario working out for you, just follow up anyways until they say, don't call me again. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm going to try to be ready. I think you're ready. You got a podcast. You're ready for it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. All right, Adam, best ever book you've read? Definitely, uh, what is it? I say definitely, and then I can't even think of it. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, by far, by far. Best ever deal you've done that's not the first one or the last one? The best ever deal I've done, it's similar to some other people on your podcast, and it's so true. It's the ones that you walk away from. It's when you realize that it's not going to work out, and you walk away, and you don't lose money. Which one specifically? Can you give us a specific example? Yes. There was a 2,246-unit, seven-building complex that my company was working on, and I think we were just in over our heads to be able to close it for $180 million dollars. And I think we would have had a really, really, really bad lesson, but there was a lot of equity in it. And we really believed that we could be just do a refinance in a few months and pull out many, many millions. But I think by walking away and going to one that we're more comfortable with, we're able to solidify that we're not losing a whole bunch of money on making a transaction like that. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Letting my tenants live in my property. Let what? my friends be my tenants. <laughs> okay. Letting it's like, wait a second. <laughs> be my tenants. <laughs> All right. So don't rent to your friends. I would say it was very, very bad for me to rent out 
to a family member, to a friend that I was close with. Because when they can't pay, it was very difficult for me to keep it business. And it won't be the case for everybody. But that was my worst mistake is letting one of my best friends come and move in with me and pay all this rent. And I continued to support him when he lost his job and stuff like that. That was definitely the biggest one. I would rather just keep it business, let a property manager manage the property, have them bring in the people, have them put in the three-day notices, and you never have to worry about me with my big heart saying, it's okay, okay, you'll give it to me Friday, no problem, and doing that for months and months and months. Best ever way you'd like to give back? Through the podcast and through our group at downtown Denver. I love offering to bring these strategies to other investors. So for me right now, it's just running a free meetup group and running a free podcast to help other people understand the strategies that have helped me get to where I am. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? If they're interested in apartment investing things, that's just blue spruce holdings.com blue, like the color spruce, the tree and holdings with a plural.com. Or if they just want to see the podcast, it's realbluespruce.com is how you can find it. Real like real estate, blue the color, and spruce the tree.com. Really enjoyed our conversation, Adam. And thanks for talking about specific examples of deals that you all have done and the challenge and how it was overcome through creative financing, whether it's the joint venture, the first deal you talked about, or the deal where you borrowed money from someone who paid all cash and or the transactions where you go in with good intentions and you're able to help others out with the loan modification process. And then we just reverse engineered your actual profits on that, which you weren't doing before, which is great because that's what keeps your intentions pure, but you really are doing well on that, helping others and then also benefiting through deals that come from it. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com.